So good morning. Um, we're moving from the section of living in the light to now living as children of God. You can see from the extensive notes on your handout. <laughs> see there? Cliff, when I send Cliff my notes, he's like, come on, this is so many notes. <laughs> and he's just a nervous, he's so nervous, he has to put something on that piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, so last week we were in 1 John uh, chapter 2, 20 through 29. We blazed new trails. Um, the theme... Is, is that you may know that you have eternal life. I've told you these things in, in 1 John 5.13. I've told you these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. And that theme it has just kept lacing through all these different scriptures that we've been going through. So I think it's just super important that we just try to figure that out so that we might have confidence and assurance about our relationship in God. When, we, when tough times come, when good times come, uh, that we have confidence and that we live as children of God. So we're going to talk a lot about that uh, today, living as children of God. And again, um, this is all stuff that I deal with on a daily basis, and that's why these lessons are, are so uh, enlightening for me to prepare, because I, I deal with this stuff all the time. Um, last week we talked in, in 20 and 21 uh, that you have an anointing um, from the Holy One and that you all know this. That theme kept resonating through those, those passages that you know this. He's, he's coaching us. He's encouraging us. You guys know this, that we have this anointing. Uh, the teaching of the Holy Spirit is what we learned about last week um, is what this anointing is, that we're able to discern truth from error. Anointing, that we're able, we're able to discern this. And he keeps telling us, you guys know this. Um, and we know uh, that, that it's God is good and he wants good, good for us and that we can be trusted. You know this, that God can be trusted. But I think we have to just keep reminding ourselves of this because it's hard we live relatively speaking and those who've been in far-flung places know that america is disney world we live in the best place ever this is this is such a great place to live but it's still hard you still have relationship problems you have health problems you have uh, deaths and and injury and loss and we all and we have to deal with that as human beings. Um, we know this. We know God's good. We know He can be trusted, but we have to keep being reminded of it that He can be trusted, and we have to prove Him over and over. In, in my mind, I do just to be reminded of it um, because antichrists are here, just whispering negativity to us, whispering that you, you, you're, you, you call yourself a Christian, you have doubts. Christians don't have doubts. Christians don't sin. Who, do you, who are you saying you're a Christian? Same thing that John was dealing with a couple thousand years ago. 
Antichrist were in his congregation, in his church, whispering these evil things that God can't be trusted and that he is no good. Um, that we can't be a Christian because you sin. You call yourself a Christian, you sinned. The other day, you sinned. For me, it's this morning, last, last hour. So Cliff gave us such a great uh, explanation of holiness is, is this unmixed in our love for God. Just a purity, unmixed in our love for God. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, uh, we used to cut open firecrackers and take the gunpowder out and make <clears throat> bigger firecrackers. <laughs> Look at 10. I got 10. So I was good at it. Okay? But every now and then I'd fumble the container and drop it and then I'd scrape it back up and there was sand in it. And I'd put it together and I'd light the fuse and and I'd put a new fuse in. It was mixed. The gunpowder is mixed with sand. No good. Then my dad, when we moved to Oklahoma, uh, joined the Oklahoma City Gun Club. And he was shooting all the time, shooting clay pigeons, you know. And so he got all the gun loading equipment. Kegs of gunpowder for a 13-year-old. <laughs> You're my favorite, Dad. Kegs of gunpowder. Oh, and then that was when Gunsmoke was on, and, and those, and remember when they put the line of gunpowder out, and then there's the big explosion at the end? We'd do that. We'd put the line of gunpowder out and snake it around everywhere, and then a large, it, so anyway. But we understood that, um, that was before ATF, before alcohol, tobacco, firearms were around, I think, anyway. <clears throat> anyway, we didn't blow up too much stuff. Um, but when, when we dropped the gunpowder in the sand, it was mixed and you got nothing. And I think that's a, a, a good example of trying to be unmixed in our love for God, trying to stay pure. Not perfect, because we can't, but unmixed. And, and this is where the Antichrist lied to us. Um, and, then, and then we talked about abiding with him, and that's just dwelling, hanging around, remaining, sticking with. Um, and when we abide in the good times and in the bad times, in our, in, our, in our times where we're behaving well, in our times that we're not behaving well, abiding with him, um, I think that gives the opportunity then for him to appear, for him to reveal himself to us. And I think that's the ultimate for a follower of Jesus is that when he's revealing himself to us through the Holy Spirit, through scripture, through fellowship with others, coming here to church. So then this then builds that assurance, that confidence in Jesus and our relationship with him and that we belong to him. And you start thinking, what could possibly harm me if I belong to Jesus? What what could possibly harm me? Um, exactly what are our limitations with the Holy Spirit if we belong to him, if we're abiding with him? What exactly could limit us? I think it's us. 
that limits us. So that was kind of last week. Um, so this week, we'll, let's start with um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 29, and we'll go all the way through verse 3. Cliff's rationing verses now that we're getting in the middle of the book. I like it. Uh, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we talked a little bit about 29. If you know, again, that same theme, you know, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. We are practicing righteousness right now. We're here. We're trying to do what God would want us to do. Righteousness is, is seeking to be approved of God. It's, it's um, a seeking a right relationship with God. It doesn't mean we've arrived, that we've hit it, that we're perfect. It's just we're seeking. That's what we're all doing here today. We could be doing lots of other things this morning, but we're here. We're, we're, we're righteous. And he says, if you know that he is righteous, which I think we all do, know that God is righteous. You know that everyone who also practices righteousness is born, is born of him, therefore we are born of him. And then he goes on to, to further uh, push that point in the next verses. We're born of him. All of us, here today, born of God. So when Terry and I brought home our first child at... 24? Were we 24? Or 20, 24 years old. We were children. Uh, we came in the door, and we heard a minor explosion from the rear of the uh, creature. Um, and we messed up three diapers, we messed up a blanket, and we messed up the carpet. And we looked, at, we finally got her changed, and we looked at each other, and, and we were like, what are they doing giving us this child? <laughs> we're just children. We're, why are they giving this to us? We don't know what we're doing. There's no instruction sheet. No one's supervising us. This is not good. Um, this... This little human being that they gave us, we were, we were woefully unequipped, but the fact was she was born of us. She belonged to us. There's nothing that we wouldn't have done and continued to not do for her. Wait, did I say that right? Yeah, there's nothing that we would not do for her. That's, uh, this engineer friend of mine never agrees with me. He says, well, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. And I'm like, you just can't bring yourself to agree with me, can you? Because <laughs> I'm a geologist. Um, 
there's nothing that we wouldn't do for her benefit, including spankings and groundings, which she really gets hacked at 35 years old when I spank her. <laughs> we love her. We, you know, we'll, we'll make sure she has food and protection and clothing and education. And when she does wrong, we'll discipline did discipline, there's nothing that we wouldn't do for this child. How much more do you think God loves you and me? We belong to him. How much more do you think he'll do for us? Because he's kind of got all the cards. We're, I mean, compared to where he is, we're just rubbing sticks together on raising our kids um, versus him raising us. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Um, when, there's other translations that say... Um, let me back up a minute. So... Child raising. We're experts now. <laughs> Terry had a rough week, and she said, Saturday morning, I'm leaving, and the kids are yours. <laughs> okay. They're just little angels. So I get, and, and she leaves, and then I find out what she's talking about. I got two little girls, 21 months apart. Just yelling, screaming, griping, and all this. And I just, about five minutes in, I have such a long patience, I said, girls, get your coats on. We going somewhere, Daddy? Get your coats on. So they got their big winter coats on. It was wintertime. Get your gloves on. So they got the gloves on. Get your hats on. Put their hat on. Where are we going? I said, fight. I got the paddle out. <laughs> I, I got the paddle out, and I said, the first one that cries gets a whipping. What? I said, fight. Beat each other up. Go at it. Go. Go to it. Go. And they started going at it, and the one would hit the other one, you know, just like this, and their eyes would start tearing up. I'd start whacking that paddle against my hand. They're pouring sweat. Timberly, do you want to go upstairs and play? Mm-hmm. And they unzip their coats. Go on. Parenting 101. It really is a wonder that they're not really disturbed children. <laughs> anyway, I just had to get that one out in my parenting. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us. There's a lot of translations that say how great a love the Father has lavished on us. See how great a love. And that was because I love them. I wasn't trying to be mean to him. I was just teaching him a different lesson. Um, <laughs> but, you know, had I, had I not loved him, I'd have probably locked him out. Oops, I did that once. <laughs> anyway, um, see how great a love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And, and such we are. In probably a lot of your passages, that has an exclamation point on it. See how great a love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and, and such we are. 
So that little phrase right there, I, went, I broke out my Greek. <laughs> Cliff would be proud. He's probably not going to be proud because I'm probably going to botch it. But anyway, that word is to be, and such we are to be, and such we are, I am, and such we are, I exist. It's an it's a emphatic, it's, it's like an exclamation point, and so we are. And it has a timeless element to it. We are children of God forever. We are. I just thought, you know, he didn't have to say that, but he did. I just don't get how these fishermen got really good in Greek. Anyway. And they were probably good in Arabic, too. And I don't speak any Arabic. I don't get it. Got to speak American. So there was, there's a, a preacher, uh, Alexander McLaren, from Scotland, um, born in 1826, died in 1910. And I was just reading him, then I read about him, and I was like, man, I love this guy. They call him a nonconformist. And all these different things about him. Alexander McLaren was a nonconformist. I'm like, I like this guy. Nonconformist. He said that us being called um, the sons of God is as the great exemplification of the wonderfulness of his love. Us being called the sons of God is, the great, is his great exemplification of the wonderfulness of his love. We became his wake. Remember we talked about the wake, like the boat wake? We become his wake. We become his vapor trail. The exemplification of his love is sitting in this room today. I just think that's so good. And I don't think we get it. I, I mean, I don't. I, I get it every now and then. I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh, God really does love me, and I can do anything. Oh, and then I go, oh, yes, God really loves me. But I think if we ever really got that, think of what that would be like. So McLaren says that, um, that we should be called children of God is better translated in order that we should be called children of God. There's a distinction there. Instead of that we should be called, he loved us in order that we be called children of God. And he goes on to say that the meaning then is that the love bestowed is the means by which the design that we should be called children and sons of God is accomplished. So basically, he loves us and that therefore we are children of God. He loved us and therefore we are children of God. His choice. He chose to love us, and therefore we became children of God. Um, whatever plopped out, Terry and I had to love. When she had a kid, oh, yeah, I guess that's what we get. I guess we'll love her. He chose us. Now, plopped out, is that a... Should I not say that? Should I, should I not say that? plopped out. And I'll tell you another thing. Please 
the guys have a lot harder time having kids than the women. <laughs> We're woke up at all hours of the night. We have to drive them to the hospital. We have to put gowns and things on. So by the time we had our second, we were pretty much pros at it. Wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm timing contractions. I got I to time contractions. So I'm timing contractions, and we're passing by 7-Eleven. It's really late, and I'm like, um, can I get a cup of coffee? And she's like, if you hurry. So I stop in and get a cup of coffee, and I'm like, oh, man, some, those little donuts, they would go really good. You know, the powdered sugar donuts, right, Cliff? The powdered sugar, yeah, would go well with them. So I, I'm drinking my coffee, eating my powdered sugar donuts. She's having a kid. It's like at the movies. This is good stuff going on here. And, well, the nurses ended up delivering because she, like, had a kid, like, 30 minutes after we got to the hospital. So anyway, the kid plops out. We have to love them, kind of an obligation there. Except me being adopted, picture a room about this big, full of kids, and my mom and dad going up and down the aisles. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, this one right here. This one right here is a wonderful specimen. Let's take him home. So that's how I imagine. I don't know that it happened that way, but... That's how I imagine it happened with me, instead of number 486, 486, please. It's a boy. <laughs> um, I don't know if it happened that way either. I digress for whatever reason. So um, he loved us and we became his children. It, it, it's all turned around versus I have to love what, what came to us. Um, so how much time and energy do we spend on am I good enough? Again, talking to myself here. How much time and energy do we spend going, I don't know, God, I just, I just don't think I'm cutting it. I'm just, I, I should be further along. I keep sinning. I keep messing up. I don't know. I don't know that I'm good enough. I mean, is it only me that think that? Thank you. Um, of how much time and energy do we spend on it? And it's basically irrelevant. He loves us, therefore we are his kids. It's it's irrelevant if we think we're that we're good enough. We are. We've, we've already determined that we're practicing righteousness by being here this morning. And he says in verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. That's what kicked this off, that we are born of him. So I think we, we spend so much time, it's, it, you know, like it or not, um, we're his kids and there's really nothing you can do about it. Well, there is, actually. You can deny him. But... It's obviously our choice, um, where we, we talked about in 1 John 2, 15, where he says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world or the, uh, the love of the Father is not in him, or 2, 4, the one who says, 
I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments as a liar and truth isn't in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected, and by this we, are, we know we are in him. So we do have a role in that. We need to, we need to accept that role. But basically, it was just an interesting way that McLaren put it, that he loved us, therefore we're his kids. I mean, I think to me, that's super comforting. Kind of takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, it's our, our choice comes um, on whether or not we choose to accept and live in that love. That's our choice. Do we accept that? Do, are, are we going to live in that love that he bestowed on us? Um, so what does God expect or want of me, uh, us? What does God expect of me? What does God, ex- in, in that role as his child, what does he expect of me? What does he want from me? Um, and, I, and I really believe it's to take up our, our role, to take up our estate as a child of God. That's what he wants. Take up your role as a child of God. Um, and we advocate our role as God's child when we keep fixating on, am I good enough? I think it messes the whole thing up. When we fixate on that, am I good enough? We're just giving up our role as God's child because you are because he loved you. That's why we're God's kid, is because he loves us. Um, When I was growing up, we'd go see my grandma in in Minnesota, uh, and um, she would, from the, before we stepped in the door, um, she would um, be cooking, 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 cooking. And um, I'd go downstairs, and they had a Daisy BB gun in the basement. This thing had a little curve on it when you shot it, and I could shoot a pencil in two. And then, you know, what they said, what did they say about a BB gun to little kids? Be careful, you shoot your eye out. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing. I'm like this. So I'm getting closer to the wall and closer to the wall and closer to the wall. And sure enough, here comes a right in the eye. And I'm like, it shot my eye out. And so I'm rubbing my eye and a BB falls out of it. And then I put it away and go upstairs. Hi, Grandma, what are you doing? So cooking, cooking, cooking. Boy, that was a divergence within the story, wasn't it? It's like Inception. Remember the movie Inception? A dream within a dream? So, um, so what if, you know, she piles it out, all the cousins come, my aunt and uncle come. What happens when I sit down and there's, you know, all the trimmings, all the turkey, the ham, everything. What happens if I say, hey, Grandma, do you mind if I just have a bowl of Rice Krispies? Can I have a bowl of Rice Krispies? What do I, my grandma would do anything for me. She'd go get me a bowl of Rice Krispies, but how would that make her feel? If she spent all this time and really wanting to cook my favorite stuff, and I just choose a bowl of Rice Krispies. So how does he, how, what, how, how would, 
I'm imagining that God would feel similar as his children. Look, I love you, Dick Greenlee. Well, I don't know if you do or not. Just get me a bowl of Rice Krispies, okay? <laughs> I think it might be similar to that, that we advocate our role as God's children by doubting, by going, am I good enough? Um, so I think what God might expect of us is to start living in that role as God's child. Um, And how much time and energy do we really waste on, am I good enough? 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us is a continual cleansing. He's, he knows we're going to have these doubts, and that's why he keeps writing things to us to encourage us. Just walk in the light. Um, we're, you're going to need cleansing from all sin, so just get, get over yourself. But do it. Um, so God loves us, loved us, Therefore, we are his kids, period. And, and that's where faith comes in. You just, we have to accept that. And so why did he do this? Why, why would God do this? Why would he put himself this way? Because when he, when he did it, he knew what it was going to cost him. He knew it was going to cost him his son. So why did he did it? I'll never forget this in my life. Cliff answered this a long time ago because God knew how great it would be for us to know him. God knew how great it would be for us to know him. That's why he did it. Because he loves us that much. And we're his kids. So when we actually get a glimpse, when we, when we get a whiff of how much we're loved, that just breeds this assurance and this confidence for us to go do stuff. And I think that's what we're supposed to be doing. When we, when we finally get a, a glimpse that, look, this love really is that true. It really is that right. Now go. That's what he wants. When we finally get a, a, a glimpse of... How, how great God loves us, how great and vast his love is for us so that we can eventually go and do. Th then this confidence comes to go and subdue the earth, as he put it in Genesis. Go and subdue the earth. And that is still in effect today. Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and in 28, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. So that command from the very beginning is enforced today for us to go subdue the earth. We're made in his image, therefore we have his creativity in us because he made us in his image. 
so Jesus can can will you help me go fix the water crisis? What does he say to that? Of course I will. Um, Jesus, help me pour into these inner city kids. What's the answer to that? Of course I'll help you pour into these inner city kids. Jesus, help me f- help these single moms just fix their car because they're just struggling. Yes. Yes, go do that. That's what I'm talking about. Can I go, Jesus, can I go help the, the poorest of Honduras know you? What's the answer to that? The answer is, of course, because that's what we're commanded to do. Subdue the earth. Live in that created image. Um, and what happens is, and, and this, this passage has always really affected, affected me positively, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Why are those, those two are juxtaposition? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Well, the implication is the thief is trying to steal our abundant life that we're supposed to be living in. We're supposed to be, our norm, our default position should be abundant life, should be living in the estate as God's kids. That should be our default position. Antichrists are beating us down every day and lying to us, stealing, killing, destroying. And then Irenaeus, uh, the first century guy of that verse said that the glory of God is man fully alive. I mean, you know what it's like when your kids are doing well. Is that not just the most heartening thing when your kids are, and now our grandkids, when they're doing well? It just warms your heart. Well, we're created in God's image, so that came from him, that feeling of, ah, that's really good. Our kids are doing good. And when they're fighting, you put their coats on, and you tell them to bloody each other up. I got lots of little parenting tips. But now grandparenting, man, the gloves are off. That kid can do anything he wants. Um, so... To, when, we, when we get into that position as God's kid, when we, when we are living in that position as God's child, and we do, I'm confident that all of us in this room do from time to time, some more than others. I want, it, I want to do it, and I want the switch to break off, and I just stick in that mode if I could um, to, to realize that I'm God's kid and live in that and stay in that. Um, we have great examples of that all throughout Scripture. How does the disciples, specifically Peter and John, how do they go from cowering up in a room because they just saw their best friend murdered by the religious leaders of the day? How do they go from cowering up in a room and slipping around, oh, you go out and get some food for us, okay, 
and slipping around and, and trying, to, trying to get food. Peter being accused by a little slave girl. You're one of them. No, I'm not, dang it. <laughs> how does he go from that? How does, he, how does he go from that to what? Days, weeks later, walking in the middle of town with the, with the Sanhedrin's guard, the soldiers, the very same soldiers that crucified Jesus, walking straight past him, walking past the Roman soldiers, people scrambling around to get in his shadow so they'll be healed. That's just weeks from when that happened. How, do, how does he go from that? Peter, John, the disciples realized their position as God's children and what can harm me to live as Christ, to die as gain. And that's the position that we're supposed to be living in daily. And I think it should be that dramatic. I mean, look, look at our missionaries that we support. They're doing that. <laughs> You know, the, the, some of the folks that I've been fortunate enough to be around, I can't, I can't carry their water for what they're doing and, and what I consider hardships, what they consider a joy. And I think that's kind of what we're supposed to be doing. Um, I ran into one of these uh, heroes in northern Uganda back in... Um, 2010. Uh oh. Dead battery. Nope. Oh. Uh oh. That's yours. Yeah. You can't see it on this picture, but I sweat whatever continent I'm in. <laughs> Down below that, there's a real nice continent of Africa that I was sweating in. Um, so, northern Uganda. In 2009, up in Gulu, um, there's a, a brutal uh, warlord named Joseph Kony that um, from 2002, he's still alive, from 2002 um, to 2009 in Uganda, he was just brutalizing the country, where he'd go into villages and, and kill the men and women, take the little girls, rape them, make them their his wives, take the little boys, get them on drugs, um, put an AK-47 in their hand, and, and it was his child soldier army. Um, and that's some of the result of it. That, when, when we were in northern Uganda, that's some of the things that you see is just shelled out buildings and bullet holes, firing squad looking stuff like that. It was a tough place. It was a, it was a really, really tough place. Um, there's uh, soldiers um, that were with us um, on this, and, and I talked to some of these guys, and I'm like, so what do you think about being up here? And he goes, man, I'm scared to death. I said, seriously? He goes, I've never been up here. I've never been past the Nile River, and, and the Nile, you have to cross it to, to come up here. Um, I didn't go in it, cause I want, but I wanted to cause I, so I could say I was in denial. <laughs> I will someday. I wanted to, and they're like, there's crocodiles and hippos down there. Don't go down there. Don't be a dummy. Anyway, so these guys were with us. They're scared, and they got the AK-47s. Um, and we ran into 
just the loveliest person, Sister Rosemary. Got little color things going on. She's taking a tomahawk to Tommy Harris. Right there. We were with Tom, we were with Tommy Harris and Adrian Peterson, Mark Clayton, Roy Williams doing this project. We were their project with ESPN following us. And Sister Rosemary is a Franciscan nun. Um, and she was in the middle of this with her tailoring center. Her, it's not where the nuns go, but it's, it was a walled complex where she was teaching these little girls a vocation and teaching about Jesus. And um, she was one of these people that the rebels would come to this beautiful compound and try to get in, and some of them did, and she had an AK-47 pointed in her chest, and she'd just knock it aside and just start telling them, you're going to get out of here. You're going to leave my kids alone. In fact, you're going to give me these girls here. With an AK-47 pressed against her, she took a rebel by the ear and led him out with an AK pointed in her face the whole time. And they never got her girls, and she would rescue these girls back from um, the pits of hell. And, and, and she was tough. If these girls were, were doing the woes me, you know, this is hard, she'd say, yeah, that happened to you, but you have the rest of your life. You need to get over yourself. You need to learn about Jesus, and I'm going to teach you a vocation. And that's what they, and that's what they did. And this, this woman, she was a CNN hero. She, she got a lot of notoriety from an Oklahoma, the Oklahoma connection. And it's a wonderful story. Uh, Sowing Hope, I think, is the documentary that's about it. And, and she was just fearless. And she is such a hoot. Well, I mean, she's taking a tomahawk to Tommy Harris. I mean, it was, she's just, she's so lovely. This is, we were, we were at this compound up right on the Sudanese border. Um, which was right at the heart of where that rebel conflict was, and she just took it back. I'm, no, I'm going to build another facility right here, and she took it back. Um, so what we were doing is that. That's the norm in a lot of places, that filthy water and those poor little kids trying to, trying to gather water, and that's what we turned into when they get water. That's one of my favorite pictures of all water four. Those kids are out there helping drill in the wells and we got wells for them and you know, what a, what a lovely thing. So um, does Sister Rosemary know her place as God's child? Oh my goodness. And I think that's what God would want of us. I think we're the ones that get shortchanged when we, when we live in this, am I good enough, or woe's me, or this is hard. I think we're the ones that get shortchanged when we don't live in that position as God's child, when we don't live in that position as loved by Jesus. Um... So in verse 2 of 1 John 3, Beloved, now we are children of God, 
and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we, we shall see him as he is. John here is speaking of his best friend who was murdered, and he's saying to us, you all have no idea what's coming. Wow! You guys can't fathom what's coming. Wow! But you know what? We're going to be like him. And I think that's the whole idea of this book is this, that you guys have no idea what's, what's in store for you. I get a, I, he got a taste of it because he got to be with Jesus for three years. And yet he still got it wrong right at, the, right at the very end where he's scared and all that stuff. But he comes out of it strong and lives his life in his position as child of God, boiled in oil in Rome and banished to an island so they can, so they can just get him out of sight because he won't die. And in, in, in verse 3, And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself as he is pure. Um, that this hope fixed on him is, the hope that he's talking about, is, beloved, now we are children of God. That's the hope. And why are we the children of God? It's because of the great love the Father has lavished on us. That's why. So he, he said, you know, so what should we do? We should purify ourselves. It's the same concept that we talked about, about holiness, that unmixed in our love for God. Not perfect. We're not going to get there yet. Not perfect. But unmixed in our love. So... Remembering that when we sin, we confess, we turn away, and that we repent, that is abiding with God. Sounds weird. When we sin and we repent, that is abiding with God. Jesus, teach us to pray and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He said that when they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. That, that made the list. So he knows we're going to struggle down here, but he gave us the tools to get through it. He gave us the tools for us to live in our position as God's kids, and he wants us to live that way. He wants us to live in that power to go do stuff, to go share that love with other people, to be bold enough to go share that love with other people, to act in a way that people go, wow, they handled that really differently. Wow. I wonder why. Not perfect, but in our sincere for our love for God. So this is what I've been doing all week. So this week... Spend some time on these, on these verses, just three, four verses. Just, just marinate in them a little bit. Saturate yourself with it. Confess, admit, believe in your role as God's child, and then go live in that role. 
as God's child. Not, not boastful, but confident that you're put here for a purpose. You're in the sphere of influence that you're in for a purpose. You're not in Uganda, you're here. I'm not in Uganda, I'm here. Live in that role as child of God right where God puts you. And then just watch the confidence continue to build. And that's how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be building confidence till we take our last breath. Building in that confidence, living in our role as child of God. So this week, do that. These, these, this passage is wonderful for that. Spend some time in it and then just talk to God about it. God, I want that. Let's pray and we'll go away. Father, we're just so grateful that you love us. Uh, we're grateful that you pour out your mercy and your grace on us. And, you, and we just can't really understand why you did it. But we are so grateful that you loved us and we became your kids. And help us, Lord, realize what that role is. Help us to live in that role that you so desperately want us to because it's good for us. Help us this week as we go. Help other people be able to see that through your Holy Spirit alive in us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.